Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by Greatest Ending to a Hundred Years of NFL Football, Ray. The final game in the hundredth season of the NFL was between the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. Of course the 49ers are going to close it out because we're one of the greatest NFL franchises of all time. Of course, in the 100th season, the San Francisco 49ers end with the number one seed in the NFC and the number one seed in the NFC West. What an appropriate way to end the 100th season with the 49ers back on top where they belong. Now, there is so much to unpack in this game. This was insane. But before we get started, Ray, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast. And you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast. And you can also subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly like to hear from you. YouTube is the biggest hub where a lot of our fans like to chime in, although Twitter and Instagram are also popular as well. So like, subscribe, comment on your preferred platform, and you just may hear a shout-out here on the cast live. Yes. Raymond, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ray Solis, and I'm on Instagram at Ray Solis one And you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis 3 and Twitter at Rudy Solis 3RD. All right, folks. Wow. I think week 17 took a couple years off my life. Uh, it was easily, I would say, one of the best games played all decade definitely a game that will go down in 49er history as one of the greatest games the 49ers have ever played it was absolutely incredible we are going to talk all about of course san francisco 49ers at seattle seahawks with the nfc hanging in the balance but first the greatest panelist in the game has arrived your professor of fanalism he's in here too Classes in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Seuss Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom. Raymond, I want to talk a little bit about some 49er history before we unpack this uh, this game. Because this, this game reminded me very much of a previous bygone era for the 49ers. And in particular, it reminds me of the, ninth, of the 49ers in 1981 when we were in the NFC Championship against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, in the previous decade, some of our younger fans probably don't know this, especially if they haven't been listening to the Goldcast very long. The 49ers played the Dallas Cowboys three straight years from 1970 to 1973 in the playoffs. Two back-to-back NFC championships and one divisional round. Sounds very similar to uh, our experience with the Cowboys in the 90s. 
20 years later, we'd have to do the same thing. We'd face them three times in a row to try and get to the Super Bowl. Now, in the 70s, there was no, uh, unfortunately, there was no victory. We lost three straight times and never went back to the playoffs for the rest of the decade. Three straight times we lost to the Dallas Cowboys. And in 1981, in the NFC Championship, standing before us was the juggernaut of the Dallas Cowboys. Everyone thought we were going to lose. No one thought we were going to win. And no one believed that the 49ers could actually best the Dallas Cowboys, this team that had had our number pretty much for an entire decade and had basically ended any playoff hopes the previous decade of us getting to the Super Bowl. We had to defeat the Dallas Cowboys. And of course, the famous play, Joe Montana to Dwight Clark, the catch, and the Niners make history, and we go on to win our first NFC Championship and our first Super Bowl. Well, for the last decade, Raymond, we have lost to Seattle, in Seattle. The last time we won in Seattle was 2011. I was only three years old. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> and, of course, in order for us to win the number one seed, in order for us to get, Raymond, in order for us to get the number one seed, to get that bye, we had to go into Seattle and defeat a team that had actually delivered our first loss to us this season in Week 10. We had to go and beat Russell Wilson in his house. They signed Marshawn Lynch during the week. Everyone in Seattle made a big deal about it. Everyone in San Francisco, none of us gave a shit. And we were right. We were right not to. But we had to do something we had not done since 2011. Like I said, since I, the last time we did it, I was three years old. You weren't even born yet. And we had to do it. And we went in there and delivered what had to have been one of the all-time, all-time classics. We started out by dominating the first half, and I knew it wouldn't last. I knew that, that eventually the Seattle Seahawks would start to warm up. Russell Wilson started to pick us apart in the second half. He really exposed Mosley, our cornerback. I mean, he just kept throwing to him over and over and over and over. You mean Witherspoon? Witherspoon, yeah, sorry, Witherspoon. He just kept throwing over and over and over and really exposed that side of the field. And then the final minute of the game, we had to stop the the Seattle Seahawks eight times in the red zone eight times they get that they get their their uh they get a first down right at the goal line at, at, on fourth down to give them an extra fresh set of downs and this was really peculiar this was really really peculiar because they they get down there they spike the ball because they're out of timeouts they they're basically at the one-yard line. They bring Marshawn Lynch out onto the field, and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to basically repeat the play that they did earlier in the in the game, and they're going to hand off the ball to Marshawn Lynch, and he's going to jump over uh, o- over the over our defensive line for another touchdown. Like, I'm pretty much, this is what they're going to do. And I'm like, all right, this is going to come down to, can we stop Marshawn Lynch from doing his famous dive jump that he'd already done? Can we stop him this time? And then, inexplicably, the Seahawks get called for a delay of game. 
and they have to back up five yards. And I that thought, was after spiking it too. After spiking it. <laughs> so now two of the downs have been wasted. Well, they, they repeat second down, right? They repeated second down. And then this, this is when it got crazy. So Russell Wilson passes the ball. He throws the ball to their tight end, Jacob Hollister, at almost the exact place that he had passed the ball to Ursua, I think is how you say the name. That was the guy who who gave him a fresh set of downs um, right there, basically at the, practically at the one, I mean, it, right, right at the goal line. And Dre Greenlaw delivers the tackle of the century. And he, he just hits him square in the shoulder and stops Hollister from breaking the plane. And if you look in slow motion, the ball, uh, it, 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 it looks like it cracks the plane for like a second. But the problem was, is that Hollister was already down. He was already down by the time the ball breaks the plane, if it even did for that second, he already was down. His butt was down. Shoulder was down. He, he clearly was stopped short of the goal line. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, delivers the tackle of the century. This really reminded me, Raymond, this reminded me of the last time the Seattle Seahawks were on the goal line with the entire season hanging in the balance against the New England Patriots. And Russell Wilson throws that catch that Malcolm Butler intercepts right at the one. I mean, it was almost, it was like the same situation. Seattle's right there on the goal line. Everything on the line, and this time for us, Drake Greenlaw delivers the tackle of the cinch. The game ends 26-21, and the 49ers are victorious and become the number one seed. There was a little bit of a there was a little bit of a, a controversy because a lot of people thought that the 49ers had committed a pass interference. Uh, earlier in this series, earlier right there in the in the end zone, everyone's like, ah, you know, we got lucky, or the the Niners should have the Niners got uh, uh, Niners ripped off the Seahawks because of pass interference. Ah, I feel like you're getting ticky tacky at that point. I mean, there's any number of you could have made the same argument for Ben Garland's call that was a personal foul when he's it's so damn loud in the stadium that he can't hear the whistle blown and that the play I thought the same which thing is in, which is incidental it wasn't malicious it's just incidental he thought the play was still absolutely. going absolutely absolutely i thought the i thought the same exact thing so the game ends 49ers when i almost predicted this i was almost exact on my numbers i said 28-21 but the 49ers win 26 26- 21 in what what was an all-time classic ray we we famously put together this defense during the offseason that was our primary focus was to build our defense and for the first time this year instead of jimmy g having the ball taking us down with less than a minute left to to win us the game it was the defense, the defense that we had put together. They were the ones on the field, and they did exactly what we what we paid for. And they saved the day. They protect the lead, and the game ends. And now we are the number one seed. Just saying it gives me chills. The This team of pretenders, 
this team that everyone said wasn't real, this team that said we were only good because of our strength of schedule. When we went through the gauntlet, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't beat the Packers, the Ravens, or or the Saints. And here we are. They said we weren't going to go into Seattle and defeat Seattle, yet we did it. We did it. We are the number one seed. Man, what an insane game! What an insane finish! I want to hand hand it off to you. Uh, what are your thoughts here on a Monday as we sit? atop the NFC. Well, I think we all owe a big thank you to Dre Greenlaw for making the big stop in, in very, you know, 49er historic fashion. Dan Bunce, the former linebacker for the Niners who helped propel the original dynasty back in the early 80s, also made a goal line stance. Now, granted, that was in a Super Bowl, so the stakes were as high as it can possibly get in that game. But he had the famous goal line stop at the one-yard line, also wore number 57. That game we also won by 26-21 to 21 against the Cincinnati Bengals. So there was some, some eerie similarities going on there. The only difference really was the implications of the game. Although there was a lot, there was you know definitely a lot at stake for the Niners in this game. But it wasn't for, you know, the ultimate supremacy of winning the tournament uh, in the Dan Bunce Bengals game. But um, I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought that the Niners really kind of came out with a fire to, to really put this team away. And if it wasn't for the second half adjustments, which weren't countered very well by Robert Sala's staff, then I think I mean it also didn't help that our offense got stalled in the second half in the in the early possessions at least in the third quarter or at least in, uh, the opening possession I should say after that it was it was there was only two punts in the second half by our by our group and actually no punts by Seattle in the second half so there was a huge difference versus their first three drives resulting in punts and we scored on our our first three drives and. So I I felt like there was a lot more blitzing and aggressiveness in the early half that really I felt was a nice complement to the lack of depth that we were that we have right now on the defensive line. It seemed to be working. It was taking Russell out of rhythm. It was forcing him into to to get rid of the ball early, which which if you do that favors the secondary, especially the secondary group like ours, even though we're missing some key pieces out there. Witherspoon played great in the first half and really got torched in the second half. And that's why we saw Emmanuel Mosley, who I thought played a lot better and even had that big pass breakup in the end zone. That was a huge play, super clean, knocked the ball down from DK Metcalf. And he played DK Metcalf, I believe in the first game and played really well. DK Metcalf had some drops in two, but I also, there was some plays where Emmanuel Mosley was all up in his face and, and he's a big player. He's much bigger. Keller Witherspoon has a lot more better length than Emmanuel Mosley. And that's why, you know, and he, and with the way he was playing at the beginning of the season, it's, you know, it's no wonder why, you know, you want, and, and ba- obviously based on practice results too, they felt like he was the better option. But when the game got really close and started to get really tight and the, you could see Seattle was just really picking on him, and he really wasn't able to to counter with with any stops of his own. Then you know you you gotta you gotta do something. And so pulling putting Emmanuel Mosley in was a really big move. I thought a very welcome move because it was very frustrating to watch 
But offensively, I just felt like we had an answer for everything Seattle threw at us. Not only did we have a lead, but every time they tried to get momentum by cutting the score, cutting the lead, cutting the deficit, Kyle Shanahan always had a, a scoring drive to to respond to them. The only difference was that their defense was so what's uh, their defense was so they're they're so switched cheese over there in Seattle that our drives weren't taking a whole lot of time off the clock. I know some people complain like, oh, Kyle Shanahan's got to manage the clock better in games when you need to. It's they're trying to. I could see them running the ball, but when you're getting 15, 20 yards. On some of those runs, those reverses and those those toss sweeps, and some of the power stuff, it's 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 hard. You know, it's it's you you can't help by default. You're gonna take up less time because you're getting large chunk plays. The same thing can be said in the passing game. These are short yardage plays, but when Debo Samuel catches a slant and then decides to go for thirty plus yards after the catch, that's you know, what's he going to do? Give himself up to, to take up more <laughs> clock time? Give me a break. He needs to score the, he needs to score the, score the ball. He needs to move the ball downfield. So, you know, sometimes you guys just need to, and not you guys, you listeners, because this comes from, I, I got some of this feedback from listening to another show on the radio. And sometimes I would just advise you guys, take a close look at what's happening. You know, don't just look at, don't look at the tree, look at the forest. You know, if Seattle's defense is giving up chunk plays, that's going to take up less time by default, which is not the offense's fault. It's actually the defense's fault for not just not being able to slow this team down, which they couldn't. They couldn't do it all game long, all game long. They could not stop us at all. We we punted twice in the second half and zero times in the first half. So we only we only had two drives stopped, zero turnovers, by the way, and they had two turnover on downs. Now, we didn't get to sack Russell Wilson the way I would have liked to have seen. But to me, uh, another thing that stands out to me, because I hear some people saying, Jimmy played good but not great. No, Jimmy Garoppolo played out. He was a beast. Football. He was razor sharp from beginning to a end. A monster. And there was only like, you know, one one overthrow and then one play that actually got called an incomplete pass based on the way the ball came out. If you guys remember that play. I think it was the first drive in the opening quarter, in the opening uh, second half, that um, Kittle or I forget who, Rahimo, somebody got tackled immediately after catching the ball that was thrown at the line of scrimmage. It was a lateral pass. And they were saying, oh, uh, you know, possible fumble. But then they determined that, you know, that there wasn't a third step and a football move and all these other stupid little ticky-tacky criteria that make up a, a catch these days. But ultimately, it was ruled incomplete. So Jimmy could have easily been 19 for 22. There was only three balls missed all day long. He amassed 285 yards. A lot of that was after the catch. Debo Samuel led the way again on offense, much like he did in the first bout against the Seahawks. So kudos to that. We had George Kittle back in the lineup, who got seven receptions for 86 yards, crossed the 1,000 the century mark for the second time in his career. Back-to-back Pro Bowls. Kyle Juszczyk got in the mix with that big catch for nearly 50 yards. Emmanuel Sanders was great in possessions, possession uh, downs. Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman also chipped in. And then the running game was pretty stout. Matt Breida was kind of the, the least contributor out of the two. Debo Samuel had the big, the big he had two runs, but the, no one, none of them were bigger than the, the, fake, the fake handoff reverse play where he got 33 yards into the touchdown. 
Raheem Mostert's been, just been an absolute beast on the ground. He averaged five and five point seven yards per carry. Got two scores on the ground. All, everything was done on the ground today. All of our scores were on the ground, none in the air, which is fine. It's just the way it, it turned out. It's you know I'm sure I'm sure you know like like I've heard other quarterbacks say they would love to you know get the the statistic and the the uh, the, the satisfaction of throwing a pass in the end zone, but you know give credit to this offense for just having just being really effective on the ground and that's this that's Seattle's big weakness right now and, and really kind of you know most of the season where they've kind of been same as us where they've kind of been middle of the road although we started very stout and then as our defensive line started to get progressive you know depleted pro- progressively throughout the year you saw that running running defense really start to take a step backwards just because of health, not because of inefficiency or bad scheme, but Sala's system greatly depends on a large rotation. And without that large rotation, you can see that we're very vulnerable. And But but in all fairness, that's most defensive lines and most pass rushes in the NFL. If you don't have the depth or the health, then you're not going to be very effective. And in Sala's particular system, it greatly depends on those rotation players in the starting lineup. So having D Ford back, hopefully I'm going to assume he's going to be back within a couple weeks. That'll be a huge deal for us because having all four guys on the line, I think really open up opportunities for DeForest Buckner and Armstead. And of course, Nick Bosa, who's, you know, still having an outstanding season, double digit sacks as a rookie. Can't ask for more than that. So this was an all-around terrific game, and I'm not going to get into the what should have or should have not been called on the play because there was a couple plays that could have easily gone the other way that I was certainly complaining about in the game. But, you know, sometimes this is what you got to deal with. you got to deal with calls that are either not called or calls that should have been called, and that's just football. In, in this era of, of the sport, that's just football. So hopefully they can get the rules ironed out where that happens less but you know that's where we live in now, and I'm not going to apologize for that. There was a big, there was some fam- a famous play back in the '90s against the Green Bay Packers where Dom Beebe was clearly touched by Merton Hanks, but ran it all the way in for a touchdown. No review call, no nothing. None of that existed back then. But they got away with a, a seven points that cost us that game. And then I think a year later, a couple years later, when we finally bested them with the the famous catch two, there was a play where Jerry Rice had fumbled the ball. And there was no reversal of that because there was no replay back then. And it was clear that Jerry Rice fumbled it. But as far as I was concerned, Green Bay owed us a couple um, from that play. So it's just kind of just the, the the karmic law within football that sometimes kind of plays out like that. That's what how I see it. And that's how I'm going to interpret it because that's just kind of how it happens sometimes. Sometimes the other team gets some unfortunate dice rolls. And sometimes we get uh, the dice roll. This time it was our turn. And but it, that's not what decided the game. There's a lot of things that decided the game. It was the the early defensive stops. It was the the early lead building, the relentless pursuit of scoring from the offense, and timely defensive plays when it mattered most. Because we haven't seen that. We've seen that less in this second half because of health issues. But thankfully, they were able to pull it out and pull it out when they needed it the most. And now we get the rest to get some of our guys back, which is really going to increase our chances to get to the final show. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Excellent. Excellent breakdown, Raymond. Back to Jimmy G real fast. I did want to touch on that. He was excellent. And, you know, it really stands out. I watched uh, the NFL highlight 
reel yesterday and today where it just shows all the big plays. You know, it's like 15 minutes long. Yeah. And man, Jimmy G was just a razor sharp knife cutting through that Seattle defense. He was unstoppable, unflappable. The thing that I really appreciate about Jimmy is he's very similar to Joe in that he's got ice in his veins. The The moment is never too big for him. Never, ever, ever. And, uh, you know, we were hearing, you know, we were you and I were talking offline about uh, Mike Florio and Chris Sims on, on NBC's uh, Pro Football Talk. They were talking about uh, what would you know, if if Minnesota offered Kirk Cousins, would the Niners take him? And absolutely not. Absolutely not. And they even said something about how he, you know, Kirk Cousins has played better this year, which I don't I don't think, agree with that at all. You know, it's not just about the numbers. It's about the intangibles. And this is what makes Joe Montana one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You know, his stats don't always jump off the page the way a, a Peyton Manning or a or an Aaron Rodgers do, you know, he's, he doesn't have the, the same mobility as, as Aaron or, or, or the, you know, the, the audible prowess of, of Peyton Manning. But what he did have was those intangibles, like leadership, like the ability to completely take over a game and make, make magic happen when, all the chips were down, and the 49ers needed him to will this team to victory. That's There's no stat for that. That's not a, something you can quantify on paper. But he did it time and time again, and he brought us four Super Bowls because of it. Jimmy G has that similar thing about him. When, when the game is on the line, I just completely trust him now. I know he's going to do it. I believe that he can will us to victory and he can pull it out. And even though he didn't have to do it in the fi- unfortunately, you know, we, we ended up we ended up having to punt the ball on our final drive. But up until that point, he was there and he just has that ability to lead these guys to victory. And th- that's something that doesn't exist on a stat sheet. It's something you're not going to find on the paper. It's something you have to see to understand. And Jimmy G, he is without question my favorite quarterback of this decade for for this team he has delivered time and time again i couldn't be more proud of him as a quarterback he is the real deal he is uh he's jimmy g he's jimmy garapolo he's the italian stallion he's a beast man and and i i I couldn't have asked for any more from him. Maybe, maybe it would have been great if he could have gotten us that drive. But even then, on third and fifteen, he delivers that bullet, and we get within a yard of the four of 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 converting on third down. We were right there. We convert on third down. We probably don't even have to go down to the to the other end of the field and deal with this whole craziness from Seattle. We were right there. You know, he got us with within a within a yard, and uh, you know, I, what what can you say? This team is so fast. The defense is is you know violent when it when it's healthy, um, but the overall speed of the 49ers is so impressive. We're just so fast; it's crazy on both sides of the ball. We're just so fast. Really, just a really impressive team. I I wrote, I wrote on Twitter. I said I thank the 49ers organization, you know, for just an amazing season. I thank the uh, the 49er faithful. 
the the ones the ones who stick by the ones who sit every week and watch every one of these games you and i have seen every shitty game this entire decade you and i saw every crappy game we sat through all the bad ones through the chip kelly area the jim tom sula era we sat through so many of these horrible horrible games we sat through just the heartbreak of the beginning of the shanahan tenure you and i believed from the get that this team was capable of turning it around. We could see the difference in Kyle's play calling. We could see the difference in how he approached the game. We knew we had found the coach for our team, and you and I were calling it way back when, from the moment he took over, that really this was a talent issue, that really this was a, a talent issue with the team. And it it is so impressive and so satisfying to see the 49ers finally delivering Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, John Lynch, another unsung hero, putting this team together. But finally, the team we were promised, when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch joined this organization, we were promised a team that was worthy of the San Francisco 49ers moniker. And it is fi- it was finally delivered this year. And what a ride. What a ride so far. And now, now Raymond begins once again. The quest for six. Here it is. It's upon us. And I have to say it was an incredible season. It was just an absolute incredible season. You you, uh, you called it as far as this team being very good. I did not believe the team was going to be as good as it is. And they they really, really delivered. And it, it, it was just a great season, great finish. Having to best our ultimate regular season foe the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle I mean it was so poetic uh the you know Seattle Seattle wasn't playing quite for the same amount as us you know they they were going to have to play next week no matter what but this was still about pride for Seattle and if anyone tells me Seattle didn't come out there and punch us in the mouth they're 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 crazy this team came out ready to go and uh it was a great game it was just I mean what more can you say it was an incredible game I was on a high for the entire night. I could not stop thinking about what just amazing game this was. Yeah, and I've gotten a lot of satisfaction after watching, because I tried to, I always, after every win, I don't do this for the losses, because I'm a snob like that. But for the wins, (laughs) I will look up YouTube videos and look at, hear what all the pundits have to say after the fact. But because the game was so late, a lot of programs were done. They, you know, they're, they, they, there's very few programs, you know, NFL obviously is 24-7, so you're going to get some reactions there, and there's a couple shows, but the only thing I could find was everyone's predictions of the game prior to the result, the final result. So I decided to watch a bunch of those, and I was so happy to just listen to people like, what's his name, Terrell Davis, Maurice Jones-Drew, I think was his name was the other running back there. People thinking Seattle's going to win and just being like, oh, man. I, I, I loved to hearing go on all Twitter, those predictions but, that said we were going to yeah. lose. But I don't have um, I don't have the time to go there and, and talk shit to all these people on Twitter. But I, I, I did at least, it did at least cross my mind. <laughs> because I just like, it's just like, all right. I was like, you don't see what we're seeing and your analysis involves no, you know, logical sometimes the pros just don't give they give logic that just like i find baffling it's like 
some pros will give, you know, an analytical take on the game. Like, you know, like Willie McGinnis, who picked the Niners to win, for example. And then sometimes you'll get a take that sounds more like a, like a fan take. Like, oh, I just think the emotions here are going to be so high that Seattle's really not going to, not going to flinch, you know. And if it comes down to, to three points, you know, Russell Wilson, he's, he's done it so often, you know, the, the odds, you know, th- those are good. Or I just think he, he's going to have that magic. To me, it was like, well, statistically, of all the games that Russell Wilson's been doing this season, I just think that sooner or later, I feel like the odds are going to actually swing back the other way and he's going to run out of juice. And because that's what happens when you decline as a player naturally. But also, I just felt like those odds weren't going to benefit the Seattle Seahawks this go around. If it came to that, which it did. I was hoping it wouldn't, but it did. And sure enough, you know, we came out with the win. But yes, I was super happy about reading all the pundits and seeing how many of them got it wrong. It was amazing. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't watch pretenders like Nick Wright or something like that or Chris Broussard because who cares, who cares about them? But I did watch Shannon Sharp and... Oh God, Skip Bayless was so, oh God, he was such a whiny little bitch. <laughs> he was. I, I wasn't going to mention him, but but because I put him right in there. He's, he's part of that same group of Nick Wright and Chris Broussard. That they're, just, they're just pretenders, just guys that, you know, create a lot of hoopla so they can get a good check and, you know, kudos to them for that. But what I will give credit to and whose names I will mention are our predictors from the fan comments, starting with Andy Laird, who predicted 35-17, 49ers victory. Again, who cares if you didn't get the numbers right, my friend? The point is you got the victor right, and that's all that matters. Eric Donovan said it would be 42-21. Jimmy would have four touchdowns. Kittle would have 200 yards rushing and receiving. Oh, my God. That's a career game. I wish that would have happened, uh, Mr. Donovan. Alas, it did not. But you are 100% correct in your predicting that the 49ers would become would, re, would emerge victorious. And John, 9 or 8, predicted 41-17. You know, all year long, it's been really hard to avoid the blowout predictions. So I... I understand that you guys, how you guys feel that way, because you get so enthusiastic and you're so confident in the team's ability because you've watched them all season long and you've seen them grow from the beginning of the Kyle Shanahan era to where we are today. So it's I I don't fault your logic at all. I did think the game was going to be closer. I thought it was going to be 31-28, but it ended up being a little bit more separate than that. It ends up being. At least, maybe, is that what I predicted? I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, you predicted, I think you predicted 31-21. Is that what I did? We'll have to clip that. Someone clip that and let me know what it was. And if, if it's if it's not that, then don't clip it. Just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Just walk away from the computer. Don't do it. But, but it was, uh, I've... To me, I I feel like, you know, as a passionate fan, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, Rudy, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to this too. Today, Monday has just been so, there's been just a sense of relief. Oh, yeah. And relaxation. And just like, oh, thank God. Like, like I feel relieved, you know? Like, I know the Niners are off today, so they have their victory Monday for today. So congratulations to them. And then it's going to be back to business but even then, they still have an extra week of that. So I just feel like 
you know, if we didn't get it, then I would have said, you know what? Maybe we get past the first round, but I don't think we get past the second round. Yeah, because now, because then, because then the the opponents would have, I think, would have been Philadelphia for us. Uh, I, I believe is how it would have worked out. And I believe we can beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Although Philadelphia's got some moxie to them too, and they've been to the big show and have beaten uh, the current titan of of NFL supremacy. So I wouldn't necessarily count them out and wouldn't consider them an inferior opponent, but I, I do believe that we are a much better football team uh, than them uh, uh, up and down. I also don't buy into this whole thing that, oh, Philly's the team no one wants to face in the in the post. Really, they're 9-7. and seven. Calm down. Everyone calm down. Yeah. Okay, let's... Th- let's th- they're 9-7. and seven. They can't stay healthy. They've got a little scrappiness to them, but, you know, they've been so up and... They, they've been kind of like, you know, what... I think what a lot of Dallas fans were hoping to get out of Dallas. Well, Dallas, I think to me could have been a, easily like an 11 and five or 12 and four team if they really would have gotten their shit together. But who cares? You have to go to the, the star cast to uh, listen America's to podcast. Yeah. America's <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> America's podcast for that. But to me, it's like the Eagles, you know, the, the Eagles, they've, uh, They've look. They've got some some fight in them, but I just don't think they. Again, they and they they lost Zach Ertz, so Zach Ertz isn't going to play in the game against Seattle. That's a huge one because he's their big their big gun. They're Travis Kelsey. They're George Kittle. He's he's their their big guy out there. So they're already missing a lot of pieces on both sides of the football. They should be lucky to be in the wild card race because their division their division was absolute outside of. The rest of the the NFC dominance that that took place this season with three thirteen and three teams, that was the lone division that just really didn't add any spice to the NFC this year. And so I think it's it's almost like they're in by default, kind of like the Seattle Seahawks, although they got in like seven and nine. I like how Luna, uh, our family dog, is uh, uh, cheering as she watched. She must be watching the highlights from yesterday's game. Totally cheering. I want to go back to the Seahawks for a minute. I want to talk about their season because I said all year that this wasn't sustainable. So I went and I actually went through their games. And I'm going to start at week one with with, with, with the Seahawks. So they beat the Bengals 21-20. Then the next week, they beat the Steelers 28-26. Then the following week, they lose to the Saints 33-27. Then they beat the Cardinals in what was one of their biggest uh, biggest blowouts of the year, twenty-seven to ten. Then they beat the Seah- the Rams, thirty to twenty-nine. They beat the Browns, thirty-two to twenty-eight. They lose to the Ravens in what was probably the biggest ass whooping that they got all year, thirty to sixteen. They beat the Falcons, twenty-seven to twenty. They beat the Bucks, forty to thirty-four. They beat us, twenty-seven twenty-four. They beat the Eagles, seventeen nine. The Vikings, 37-30. The Rams, they lose to the Rams. They get their ass kicked, 28-12. Then they they beat the the Panthers, 30-24. Then they get their ass whooped by the Cardinals, 27-13. And then they lose, they lose to the 49ers, 26-21. But look how close all those games are. 21-20, 28-26, 33-27, 30-29, 32-28, 
I mean, these games are really, really close. And I have been saying over and over again, this was not sustainable. How many times did I say that this season, Raymond? How many times did I say that the Seattle Seahawks were very reminiscent of that team back in 2016 or 2017? I've literally repeated this ad nauseum like every single week we've had to talk about the Seahawks, that this was not sustainable and eventually the numbers would flip. And they did. That The Seahawks weren't able to defeat anybody. They were not able to defeat anyone in the division uh, on the way back, they lost to the Rams, lost to the Cardinals, lost to the Niners. They've lost three of their last four games. They've lost. This team, this team was basically just sitting on the back of Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson is just one guy, and guess what? He doesn't play both sides of the ball. So it was just really interesting to me to see, finally, as I said all year, that this was not sustainable, and eventually the numbers would flip against the Seahawks, and that's exactly what happened. The the It flipped, and the numbers went against the Seahawks, and now we have three out of four losses. You know, and easily, any any of these other games, they easily could have lost, but here it is. You know, they're in, they're in there, and there is a chance we will see them again, possibly. I doubt it, but it, it's, it's in play. But uh, overall, it wasn't sustainable, and I'm glad that the, fi- the numbers finally flipped back in support of of that. You know, I'm glad I'm glad that they were on the wrong side of the numbers against us when it mattered most at the end of the season. Well, that's what I thought and that that's what I that's was exactly the point I was making um earlier. Just that I thought that you know, the odds the odds just really can't, you know, as you put it, sustain that kind of just like, you know, eventually Cash Anahan is going to start winning games and not lose them by three points or less in the manner that he did in the first two seasons. Eventually that just changes. And with everything that had gone wrong, that had been go- that everything that with the amount of bending and breaking that defense had did, I knew that sooner or later it would catch up with them. And not only did it catch up with them health wise, but it also catch up with catch up caught up with them in the game that mattered most. And that's nobody's fault cuz that's just that's just football and you got to you got to play the cards where they land and where they and and this time they landed in the lap of the San Francisco 49ers. And so that's just that's just how it goes and you just got to you got to roll with it. So good luck in Philadelphia. I don't care which team wins that game to be honest with you. I wouldn't mind forcing Philly to come over here cuz they are atrocious on the road. I also would just love to play Philadelphia in the postseason. That's just—I just feel like that's something we would. Yeah, because, we don't play yeah, them very often. You know, <laughs> no, we don't play them very often at all. Next year, we—I believe the New England Patriots are on our schedule next season. So yeah. that'll be nice. We'll be playing Tom Let's Brady go. in his twilight, but I don't Let's think go. he has any match for this team, uh, assuming that most or all of the pieces can return next season, and we see a more polished version of what it is this year, which is already immensely impressive and far beyond the four and 12 team that existed last season. So that that'll be exciting going into it. But either way, either way, we're going to play host to either the Seattle Seahawks again for the third time this year, or the Philadelphia Eagles. Either way, I wouldn't want to be either team with that well, task. Well, ahead of that. It, it depends if the Vikings are somehow able to defeat the saints, which I don't think they will. Then we would place we'd we'd face the Vikings. So we will face the lowest seed, whoever comes out of Wild Card Weekend as the lowest seed. That is who the 49ers will face. So yeah, it could be it could be Seattle, 
it could it basically it's going to be either the Vikings, Seattle, or the Eagles. One of those three teams is who we're going to face. Uh, I my money. Honestly, my money would probably be on Seattle. That's who I... Really? I think, well, I think Seattle's going to beat the Eagles. Well, they could lose to the Eagles. I mean, they really could lose to the Eagles. That would be awesome. I would love if they lost to the Eagles so I could be proven right again. Here's the playoff picture, folks. So so let's let's break this down. This is a good time to talk about this. And then, uh, you know, we'll be back a little bit later in the week to, to really preview the games. But you've got in the AFC, the Ravens and the Chiefs are at the first and second seed. That was insane. Chiefs Chiefs gaining the second seed with Miami, delivering that loss to uh, New England, which was awesome. First time that New England's been on the road, I think, since 2009, playing in wildcard weekend. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. It's the they, they face the Tennessee Titans, and then the Bills face the Texans. So awesome. And then the Ravens and the Chiefs waiting in the wings. Over in the NFC, the division where real football teams play, the 49ers and the Packers are the first and second seed, respectively. And then in the you've got the third seed Saints facing the sixth seed Vikings. And then those douchebag Seahawks, the fifth seed, facing the fourth seed, the Philadelphia Eagles. Go Birds! And that's it. So that that those are your teams. Uh, the projections are. I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't say what the projections were for the AFC. The Patriots are the third seed. The Texans are the fourth seed. The Bills are the fifth seed, and the Tennessee Titans are the sixth seed. And obviously, Chiefs are second. Ravens are first. I did say that one in the beginning. But there is your playoff picture. And uh, and the Niners get rest, Raymond, and the Niners get to rest and let guys heal. And I believe you will see a more ferocious version of this defense come uh, in two weeks. I want to say one thing. So the morning, and the, the fans of the the Forty Nine ers Gold Cast or Forty Nine ers Gold Cast, we haven't been called the Forty Nine ers Gold Cast in like four years. Uh, fans of the Gold Cast will will uh, know this. Louis B told me in the morning. That he was a fan, uh, he was he has never been a bigger fan of, of Seattle than he was in the morning. And then he told me that not only would we lose, we would be bounced out in the first round. That's what he said. Now he said we'd be bounced out in the first round, and that we would uh, we would lose to Seattle, and we'd be the fifth seed. Now when we won. I te- we're in a group. Uh, we're in fantasy together, so we're, I grouped our text. I said, "I blame Louie for this Seattle loss." Louie, in typical Rams fashion, jumped onto the bandwagon of the Seahawks today. Once his sorry ass team that no one roots for in LA was out, he brought that bad Rams stink to the twelfth man. <laughs> he was so he wow. was so pissed. <laughs> Did he respond? Uh, he just disliked it. It's like Louie dislikes this message. <laughs> that's all you, that's can, all you do. can do. Uh, I was like, sorry, ass team that no one roots for. You know, it's that famous line in, in the uh, in the Simpsons where Mo the Bar Tavern. I forget what the what the preceding line is, but of what he does say, I think it's to Marge Simpson. But he says, you know, if if such and such does happen, it'll be because of your negative attitude. There, I said it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. It was when Homer Simpson was. Uh, so it was a boxer uh-huh. <laughs> and 
he wanted to he was going to fight like a, a marquee boxer like you know a tyson or something like that and and marge was against it and she's like you know you can't do that you're gonna lose and he's she and he's like yeah well if he does lose it'll be because of your negative attitude Terrence. <laughs> that was exactly it uh i absolutely cannot stand the seattle seahawks there is no team i hate more on the planet earth right now than Seattle Seahawks. You know, it just kind of depends on which team is in season, you know? Like when the Giants are in season and we're going up against the Dodgers, there's just no team on earth I hate more than the Dodgers in that moment. And right now, the Seahawks are again at the top of my list. Douchiest team. Honestly, I've said this online and really pissed off a couple Seattle fans. The 12th man is the stupidest concept for a fan base of all time. You're, it is, and the the uh, the boom cast should be ashamed of themselves for participating with that. They really should. Uh, with all the of the other fans, they, they really should. The blue and neon green cast should be ashamed of themselves. You, you you know what you know what's not impressive that your professional football team needs your crowd to help you win games. That is lame. That is the lamest thing I've ever heard in my life. That is so stupid. I don't be proud of that. There's nothing to be proud. Of. You know what? You know what the 49ers have never needed? They've never needed my help to help them. Never need my help for them to win a game. They, you know why? Because they're professional football players. They don't need my help. They don't need me cheering so loud that the other team can't hear themselves. They don't need me at all. That's the lamest thing ever. You should be ashamed of yourselves. That is seriously the dumbest thing I've ever seen. There. There I said it. Yes, you did say yeah, it. I hate the 12th man. And it's rightfully the dumbest so. concept for a fan base ever. Ever. It's not impressive that your team needs your help. I'm proud to say the 49ers have never needed us to win a game. It's a facade, right? It's part of the facade that is the Seattle Seahawks. Your mascot is not real. Your 12th man is not real. It wouldn't even be legal if it was. You couldn't you couldn't you'd get a flag every play. If that was the case. So there's just nothing real about the Seahawks. No. I, I don't know how else to say it. We here at the Goldcast fact-checked everything. And we have determined that the Seattle Seahawks are just a fake-ass team. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. I hate for you to find out this way. I'd rather you go on their podcast and learn it. But you're not going to get the truth on that. Because that, that cast doesn't exist either. <laughs> yeah, it's a fake-ass <laughs> cast too. Uh, the 12th cast. So dumb. The 12th cast, yes. It is a dumb cast. They can't even get their names. They can't even commit to a name. Yeah, no. The, they can't even commit to a name. Their names changed three times alone just on our cast. The 12th cast. Yeah, it's so stupid. But definitely, it was great. It was glorious. It it had shades. It had shades of 1981. You know, shades of, of, 49, of 49ers besting the demon the, the, the monkey off our back, our greatest playoff rival, the Dallas Cowboys, which is without question our greatest playoff rival. And it had shades of that. And I'm just really proud of this team. I'm proud of the, the fans for sticking by. Great predictions, by the way. Always love hearing your predictions. And, uh, yeah, just like you said, relieved. Uh, man, if we're relieved, can you imagine how the Niners feel today? Oh, man. They must, they must be on cloud nine. They just get to rest. And that's all... This team is needed is some rest. <laughs> yes, they probably feel like a million dollars or, you know, I take that back as, as spoken in the great film, The Departed, 10, 10 million dollars. <laughs> That's probably what they feel like today. I think it's what they feel like. That's how I would feel. You get to rest. You get to relax. I know that D Ford now feels pretty confident. Kwaski Tart, 
feel very confident in coming back. So they um, those will be much needed pieces to not only reinforce the pass rush, but also to reinforce the secondary that are both hurting right now. So having two starters back, two very good starters, I might add, will make a world of a difference when we face our first opponent, whoever it may be, in the divisional round. Let me ask you a question. Way too early predictions. Let's just say everything goes the way we want it to go and the 49ers find themselves in the NFC Championship. Who comes into San Francisco to face us? I think there's a good chance that New Orleans comes in. Me too. That's what I think it's going to be. If we get to the NFC Championship, we will be staring down the Saints. And once again, they will be coming to play the 49ers in what will most likely be another gut-wrenching, heart-pounding classic. Yeah, that's going to be pretty insane too because the last time we played them was 2011 divisional round. The catch three. Which was a shootout classic, the catch three. Thank you, Alex Smith and Vernon Davis. So who knows what this next one will be. We already know what the first matchup was, and it was nothing short of exciting. In fact, the you know we, it, for some reason, when we play this team, it becomes this wild shootout. So we'll see. We'll see. And Drew Brees always brings the thunder in the playoffs. It's always his defense that really kind of fails to get him past that because there's only so much the guy can do. So I, I and I like Drew Brees. I, do too. I think he's a good player and he's a good dude. I think so too. I don't have any issues with him. No, no. I, he's not like Russell Wilson, who's just all kinds of fake. God, he's obnoxious. He's so obnoxious. Oh. <laughs> I knew that was gonna catch you going. Oh man. You knew you knew it was gonna rile me up immediately. Oh God. Yeah. When he was crying when he was crying before because he got to the NFC championship, I was like, shut up. God, knock it off. You're a grown man. It's not even real tears. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny tears. you mentioned that, Raymond, because right now I have a glass of uh, 12th Man Tears. Hold on. <sighs> Tastes so sweet. So sweet. Yum. Delicious. That is yum. It is. All right, Ray, any final thoughts before we go? Just congratulations. Everybody gets a victory Monday today. So I hope you guys are all having a great, glorious Monday because it is a victory Monday for all of the faithful, including, of course, in addition to the coaching staff and players. I will give the game ball, Ray. I really oh, want to yeah, do yeah. this. I'm going to give the – I'm giving the game ball to the San Francisco 49ers and the 49er faithful. Everyone gets the game ball. We, we're here. We did it. And a cold shower to Witherspoon. You almost cost us the game. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, Witherspoon, if I had to give a cold shower out, it would definitely be Witherspoon. And I got to give, you know, I got to give the game ball to, you know, I, the faithful deserves one too. Greenlaw? But since they're getting one from you, I'm going to go ahead and just go and go ahead and give it to Dre Greenlaw. Because without, yeah. without, without yeah. the stop two, as one fan on Twitter nicknamed it although different games different implications but again the rules you know just like the catch doesn't uh, you know doesn't have to be a particular type of game you know it doesn't always have to be happen in the nfc championship game for it to be a to become a catch uh, within 49ers lore so goes it you know the stop so we have the stop two by dre greenlaw 
in a winter. T- What's the original stop? The original stop. I don't know if it's actually called the stop, but Dan Buns has the one of you know the inf- one of the famous stops in Super Bowl history against the Bengals. But which is because of there's so many parallel. The only the only non-parallel, non-starting parallel is the fact that it was a Super Bowl versus final regular season game winner take all seating with with seating and uh, division implications at stake versus Super Bowl has the final championship crowning at stake. And Dan Buns had the, you go back and watch the the famous goal line stand with the Niners, the one where Keena Turner famously missed missed being on the field when he should have been, and we still you know we're still able to hold despite uh, the kind of blooper handicap that that we shot ourselves in the foot with but dan Bunce had that famous uh famous uh stop there but what same score final score same number same position same you know it wasn't a wasn't a uh, i think that i think his was a i think that was a passing play too i believe it was a passing play i don't think it was a uh a running play but it was a passing play wow Wow. Yeah, so I'm going to give it to Dre Greenlaw, rookie, because he also had the big pick in overtime the first time to get us into field goal mm-hmm. range, and we just didn't have mm-hmm. we just didn't have the gold foot with us back then, so we we couldn't do it. Man, had we done that, we would have swept the Hawks this year. Yeah, and oh, this game would have been inconsequential. Yep. Next year, next year, yep. next year we'll sweep the Hawks. Yep. Well, Forty Nine er faithful. Enjoy this victory. Lavish and relish the next week. Sit down and watch Wild Card Weekend. And as we sit atop our throne, we can watch these teams eliminate one another and know that we will be here in my favorite round of playoffs, the divisional round, the round of men, the best and the biggest and the baddest teams in the divisional rounds. My favorite round of the playoffs is the divisional. We will watch these Janky ass wild card crappy teams eliminate each other. It'll be great. It'll be glorious as we sit atop Mount Faithful. So good job. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. This is, is the Gold Cast.